Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Faces. Sorry, this is Will Strayhorn. It's Wednesday, November the 25th. We are live in the studio on the beautiful campus of Old Dominion University. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I'm in the studio with Miss Rita Little. She's my guest. She's my guest co-host and good friend, client, all the above. And then we have Mr. Quincy Carr. He's um, caught up in a little bit of traffic, but he's on his way in. Um, but Rita, how are you doing, baby? I'm doing well, thank you. You still thank nervous? You. Not so much. <laughs> I told you, once you start talking, once everything, you know, gets going, the, the, the fear and the nervousness should mm. go away. I'm excited. Which is just us. We're just in here. We're just talking. Okay. Well, we always do. You have a good week? I had an excellent week. Busy, but it was very good. Yeah. Still going. And what, what's, what's happened so far? I know it's what, hump day, so. Yeah, hump day. Well, every day is like Saturday for me because I'm recently retired. Right. So that's been exciting. And, and I saw your post. You were like, you know, you thought you were going to have... What, you thought you were going to be bored? I thought I was going to be bored. Why did you think I'm that? You're still you. young. Why did you think you were going to be bored? B- 
because when you have been doing one thing for over 32 years, uh-huh. that's like all that you know. Right. And I thought that once I retired, I was going to be sitting around being a couch potato. Uh-huh. But I was wrong. Right. I was so wrong. So it's afforded me the opportunity to actually experience some different things and take care of things that I didn't have an opportunity to do. What's yeah. your, I mean, wh- what do you find yourself doing mostly? Initially sleeping. Oh, really? <laughs> Initially sleeping, just resting my body. Uh-huh. But now I find myself getting caught up on things that I didn't have, that I put on a back burner uh-huh. when I was working. Uh-huh. Uh, it's also given me a time to focus on some things that I thought I had interest in, and even some things that I didn't know that I had interest in. Because you, you started Bible college, right? I did. Tell everybody I about did. you. I know how fabulous you are, but okay, so you're retired so from where? Okay, I'm retired from the post office. How long? 32 years, wow. two months, and four days, but uh-huh. I wasn't really counting. <laughs> Sounds like you <laughs> were counting. Somebody yes, was, I was counting. counting. Yeah. Also had uh, two and a half years with the FBI as a fingerprint examiner, so I retired with 34 years of government service. So, yes, I decided to go back to Bible college. I attended Bible college at the church that I go to. I don't uh-huh. know if I'm allowed to say my church on the yes, air. Yes, you so can. Go ahead. Okay. Promote. More than Conqueror's Church. More than Conqueror's. More than Conqueror's, okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I have a certificate of theology there, and I have been wanting to go back, but because of work and everything that comes with that and the time that that takes, right. I put that on the back burner, but I decided to go back. So I'm back in school, spending time with my grandchildren. I see you doing that a lot, yeah. Yeah. You took them somewhere. It was a historical thing. That I mean, the cultural. Yes. I took my grandchildren to what was called a lollipop concert uh-huh. at the Sandler Center. Had never heard of it before. I was actually looking for tickets for an event for myself right. when one of the agents told me about it. It was a symphony for children sponsored by Symphonicity. And the, the symphony was geared towards children. So they had characters like Aladdin, uh, Pocahontas. Uh-huh. Th- they had an instrument zoo right. where the children got to actually touch and play the instruments. Uh-huh. I think it's important to introduce children to the arts at an early age. I mean, is that something that you wish you had more exposure to as a child or something? No, I I never had any exposure to it, actually, until um, as an adult. Uh But I don't think I missed out. Uh But I love it, and I want my grandchildren to have an opportunity to experience it. I didn't know how they would receive it, but it was nice. They liked it? They liked it, yes. I saw the picture. You look like you got up and close. Oh, we were very close. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's how you roll. Okay. So I'm excited to be here. This is just another thing that uh, is new for me, and I'm loving it. When I asked you, I thought you were going to say no. Who can reason. say no to you, Will? I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. No one can say no yeah. to you. Um, so, you know, Mary Tyler Moore, she passed away. She was 80 years old. They said after a week of being on a respirator um, in Connecticut. Oh, yes. Mm. I she heard is she the first for this year? The first... Because I know at the end of last year it was Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher. And Carrie Fisher. She is the first that I've heard of this year. Yeah, that I know of. Yes. Wow. That's something. So I want to ask you a question. You know, we talk, you know, when you come to the salon, we always talk. But I want to ask you, how do you feel about long-distance relationships? Do you think they can work? Would you be in a long-distance relationship? And I'm talking about not in the same state, but, you know, some hours away. Well, <laughs> do I believe that they can work? Yeah. I believe that they can work. It's not I, I think if the individuals involved uh-huh. want it to work, mm-hmm. it can work. Okay. However, 
I have been in a long distance relationship before. Uh-huh. And the person I was involved with told me he didn't do well with long rela- long distance relationships. Uh-huh. But of course, you know, I'm me. Of course he will. <laughs> but he did it. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> he did it. Oh, jeez. No, but I believe they can work if you want them to work. Yeah. Um, at this stage in my life, uh-huh. I think that I could do a long distance relationship now. Mm-hmm. But if you'd asked me this years ago, I would have been lying. Well, are you high that. maintenance? I'm I mean, very do you low maintenance. Really? I'm so I, I would think that that would work then if you didn't require a lot of I like don't attention. require a lot of attention, a lot of pampering. I don't require a lot of that. I, as a matter of fact, sometimes I'm on the other end. It's like I really need my space. Oh, really? Um, okay. And I think it can work because I know people uh-huh. that have been in long-distance relationships. One person that I know actually told me that she feels as though her relationship is stronger than people that see each other daily. They talk on the phone, mm-hmm. but when they get together, they enjoy it's that exciting. Time. Yeah. They do really good uh, vacations uh-huh. together. It sort of ignites things. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. I don't know. I, I would like to think that I'm semi-low maintenance. I know. I know. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I don't have much of a life. I'm unlike people who, who think that I do. So usually I'm home. Um, outside of work, doing something for work or career-related, li- that's when you see me have activity. But on the personal front, you've never heard of me talking about going on vacation since you've known me. It's been quite a while. It's been quite some it's years. It's been many yeah. years. Um, usually I'm home. I'm home watching TV or doing something that's work-related that I think is fun. Um, so I think that if I actually did have another relationship that I don't know if I, if I was like, okay, I want to go do something that I can't get to, I don't know how long that would last. So you don't think that you could do it if because if you wanted to go out and do something with someone and your significant other wasn't around, that yeah. might be a that deal would breaker? Be, that would be, uh, I don't know about a deal breaker, but it would definitely be a challenge for me to not be not have that access to that person. Um, so you're saying that readily. because there are things, because I know um, conversations that we've had before, you do quite a few things by yourself because you're an only child. Yeah, not well, an I'm not an only child, but, but I'm it was it's a big break between right. me and my siblings. So, yeah, so I, I, know I do you a don't lot have a problem myself. doing things. I don't, but, but if I'm in a relationship, you want to do with yeah. The people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of things. Well, I do a couple of things with myself, but <laughs> um, <laughs> that um, I, I think that I would it's gonna be it would be a challenge. Mm-hmm. It would be a challenge. I'm I'm, I'm strongly um, looking to that possibility of considering something long distance. But then it would um, be a problem if that those be a opportunities presented itself. Yeah, I don't know. I'm to do something, something and that person's I, not around. You know, I, I, I think it would just require. I would definitely have to have a plan to where I know I'm looking forward to something that we're going to do together. Yes, I was going to say that if in long distance relationships, I think if you're going to work towards them mm-hmm. working, you can plan your activities and events around the availability yeah. of that person. Uh, on weekends, of course, it's not going to always be like that. True. But you can build your uh, social calendar around that. Mm-hmm. I had a cousin, actually, that lived separately from her husband for almost 25, 30 years. Really? Um, yes. They're elderly now. He was in Atlanta. She was in Baltimore. And that worked? Oh, God, yes. And now he retired, and they're together. That may be what's kept the relationship together. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so it's a lot of things going on yes. in the news. Those who are listening who want to comment, I hope you'll call in. Call in at 757 683 4405 that's 7576834405 and um so Vicky Yohi who I, I I follow on Facebook 
a lot because she's always singing in her car. You know who she is, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of who you are, lady. Love um, that song. I love that song. I, lo- I mean, because she sings. Like, she'll take her kids to school or she'll pick them up in the morning, pick them up in the afternoon, and she's always singing. And she's mm-hmm. always, like, giving a word of inspiration. And I love it. But, you know, her, like Kimberell and other people, I don't know why they just use their position to voice their personal opinion. So what happened was um, she posted a meme. It was during, I think it was on Saturday, the 21st, when they were doing the march up in Washington. Um, She decided to voice her opinion, and what she did was she posted a meme that depicted Jesus carrying suitcases. Um, And the caption said, on my way back to the White House. Yes, I saw that. Which insinuated that Jesus wasn't present during the eight years that um, President Obama was in office. Um, And then her pro-Trump photo description sealed the deal. And it also said that um, march all you want, protest all you want. President Donald J. Trump is our president for at least four years. No weapon formed against him will prosper. And then it says, you know you're doing something right when there's so much opposition. Hashtag exciting times. Oh, my. So, you know, a lot of her followers, a lot of her listeners um, are African-American. She has that sound. Yes, yes. Um, before I, actually, before I knew who she was, I thought she was African-American. I did, African-American. too, also. I yeah, did also. Um, but a lot of them, uh, of course, took to social media and trashed her again really? like they did. So did the meme set, what did what was the, the caption on the meme? Did it say back to? Back to, on my way back to the White House. Yeah, that is definitely an insinuation that he was absent yeah. from the White yeah. House prior yeah. to that. Right there. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's definitely uh, insinuating yeah. that. can't get out of that. Uh, if it said on my way to the, the White, White House, House I think know. that would have been a little bit more acceptable yeah. and would not have been as controversial yeah. as on my way back. Back to the White House. But so. that's what she said. Of course, people are you know, speaking their minds. And I don't know if they're calling for us to do a national boycott. Well, here of we go. Right? Vicky, <laughs> yeah, but you know, they did that with Kimberrell. They were talking about that with Chrisette Michelle. Do you think that when you have a position like that, recording artists or um, even media personalities, something I really need to consider um, after I graduate, whether I want to remain neutral or become that, you know, that person who goes rogue and speaks my mind. What do you think? Do you think people should, artists and stuff, do you think they should keep their personal remarks to themselves or what? Or do you, I you don't know? think that they should have to okay. because their opinion is their opinion uh-huh. and there is freedom of speech. Uh-huh. However, uh-huh. because they are in the limelight, yeah. they are celebrities. Yeah. They're going to be scrutinized very even more, yeah. and there's uh, higher penalties for them to pay for what they said mm-hmm. versus if I said the same exactly. thing. Exactly, exactly. Who am I? Mm-hmm. But because they are in a position of uh, notoriety, so to speak, right. they have a higher price to pay. Yeah. So yes, I think they should be able to speak their opinion, but also willing to suffer the consequences. Uh-huh. You know, Nate was telling me one time because I was like, I'm big for going through. You know, you go through your, your news feed and then you're just looking at things and liking it. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I did not know that it'll show you what things that I like. It'll be oh. like, read a little like such and such or read a little share. Oh, Have really? you ever noticed that over no. there? Yeah, but there were some things that I had liked that he was like, did you know that that showed? And I was like, <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Oops. I did, didn't know that. Uh, he said, the way you should like things, you should look at it and you say in your mind, I like that. Without hitting that button. So I'm like, I really need to consider, you know, what I say because really after the election, um, I had posted, you know, that I voted, I, I'm with her, and I actually took a picture of my mm-hmm. ballot and everything. I remember but seeing that. Yeah, you don't see it no more. I went and yeah. deleted all that stuff because, uh, I guess because 
once I graduate and really, you know, step into this position, I'm going to have uh, responsibility, yeah. a, a, a social responsibility. Hey, um, can you write me real quick? Oh, no, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think that they should be able to speak their opinion, but there are consequences. It's a consequence, yeah. There, there it's are. definitely a, du- a double standard. And then I think with people like celebrities, uh-huh. even though we don't know them personally, uh-huh. I feel as though at some point we feel like we know them. Uh-huh. And then if they say something Some, yeah, yeah. contradictory to what we believe uh-huh. or what we think they should feel, we're like, oh, no, they didn't oh, no, say they that. Did, yeah. but That's we don't how really it was with Chrisette Michelle. Yeah, so it's yeah. like we don't really know them. What's up, Quincy? Hi, Quincy. Quincy's in the studio now. Mr. Carr. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, we were just talking right. about Vicky Yohe, the gospel singer. She had posted that um, the meme on my way back to the White House. And she was just saying that. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Which brings me also to Chrisette Michelle. Poor Chrisette. Poor Chrisette. Poor Chrisette. So, she, I, evidently, she did perform. But I don't think she performed when she was when she wanted. To did you perform. see her performance? I didn't see it. I did not yeah. either. Mm-mm. Okay. I had okay, so I'm going to admit, you know, but last week we were saying that we weren't people weren't supposed to watch the inauguration. Yes, or we did. But I was in the salon and mm. <laughs> that's your I, t- I just I just wanted to, to see what she had on. Okay. I just wanted to see uh, okay. what she had on. Being then in the field that you're in, in, I'll let you yeah. I'll let you say that. <laughs> well, let, and well, then, and we'll then it turned that. into you know, let me just hear what he's gonna say. I mean, yeah. I want to see the parade. Okay. So, yeah, I watched yeah. all that. Mm. What's up, Quincy? Hey, what's going on, folks? <coughs> How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Mr. Quincy Carr, tell everybody. <laughs> everybody knows who you are, but. I don't think everybody knows who I am. They're probably like, are. why is this dude yeah, in your this guy? I didn't know who he was until two days ago. <laughs> tell everybody who you are, <laughs> man. It's very disrespectful, Oh, by no, it's very respectful. Very disrespectful. <laughs> didn't know who he was. Uh, what's going on, everybody? The Quality Comedy King. I named myself that because. It's my brand of quality comedy, so yeah. I better be the king of it, that's right? right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, just in the building, uh, thank you very much for having me, Will. Certainly do appreciate you. Anytime. Um, and I look like I walked in with y'all talking about. Yeah, we were talking about. We were talking about. Yeah, um, well, just celebrities, because she had posted this meme on fa- on online, and um, it was saying, on my way back to the White House, which was insinuating that he wasn't there. During President Obama's term, oh, um, and of you. course, social media went yeah. wild, and everybody was, you know, yeah. most of her listeners are African American, right. and of course, you know, they, they, we let into her and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and then she took it down, um, and then the same thing happened, you know, with Kimberell and then um, Chrisette Michelle. Yeah, everybody went against her. So we were saying, do you think, as a celebrity, you yourself, do you think you have a responsibility to watch what you say um, on social media because of your following? Absolutely. Only because people put us in a, um, they put us on a certain pedestal that they don't put their own parents in. And because you have a platform where yeah. if you say something, people are just looking for you to say something wrong or, or, or something crazy. And like for me, like my brand is quality, which is, uh, well, quality comedy, which is like a clean, clean adult. Right. Uh-huh. approach it's not a squeaky church clean uh-huh. it's just clean adult so i can talk about everything from sex to drugs or anything i want to talk about <clears throat> i just don't put the profanity in right. the, the delivery is a lot yeah. cleaner. so with me people are watching to see if i'm a slip up exactly. or, you know they watch oh well, he ain't that oh, clean right yeah, right. <laughs> right so you know you, you just you just take it with a grain of salt just depending on your position as a celebrity 
I don't even look at myself as a celebrity in that sense, but I do know I have a responsibility for the people who look up to what I say. Right. And, you know. So would you not voice your honest opinion? Oh, absolutely. You uh, still would? Oh, yeah. And as I was saying before you came in, as a celebrity, when you do that, and I think you should be able to do that, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to accept the criticism that comes with that. But mm-hmm. I think you should be able to voice your opinion. I think I, I think it's twofold. So, like, if you think about it, um, like in my world, uh, Kevin Hart, you rarely ever hear Kevin Hart take a stand mm-hmm. for anything. That's it true. doesn't make him, um, you know, any better or any worse. But you have to look at his status. His status is um, based on who represents him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he has to cater to whatever that contract or whatever that representation says. Now, does it mean that he's selling himself out? No, it doesn't. Everybody has a different brand that they attach themselves to. On the flip side, somebody like uh, comedian Eddie Griffin, he'll say whatever he wants to say yeah. because he's not really represented by anybody like you know on, on that level. And he's known for being controversial. Exactly. Too. Yeah, that's not even exactly. Kevin's brand. And if right. you have contracts with people exactly. or um, endorsements, they mm-hmm. do stand a chance. But right. th- that's good what you said. It doesn't mean that they they don't take a stand. They're just right. not publicly voicing. Right, just based on an agreement or a contract. So what it does boil down to is financial gain exactly. or loss. However, mm-hmm. Um, for anybody to look at your situation, just like this lady gave me an example, if a person comes up to me and says, hey, um, I want to ha- book you for this show, but I can't afford the rates that you normally charge, could I get you for this amount? Mm-hmm. Well, immediately, she's never had me, she's never paid to you know, have me perform, but she's devaluing me, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I take a stand and say, uh, no, I have a value, and then that person then says, oh, you know, this person, you know, uh, don't think you're all that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're too good and to help. So <laughs> so that's what you have to look at. Like, yeah. I have a brand that I have to stick mm-hmm. to. So mm-hmm. if I let that one person get a discount and that person never got a taste of quality comedy, then somebody else, oh, okay, well, you know, he's pretty easy. He'll, he'll take anything just to be booked. That's how celebrities have to look at it. If Kevin jumps on everything mm-hmm. and it's really not his platform, mm-hmm. Then he has to look at okay now everybody's gonna bait him into stuff. Yeah. And but Kevin has such a free for so spirit. long that was an issue for me because mm-hmm. um, when people approach you they can they, they have people who help them create all these different angles or how you could benefit from <coughs> it mm-hmm. and they'll come to you saying you know this will help you because blah 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 and I had to get to a point that's why I really why I hired Nikki um, because I was like well they have me doing this for free because they say they'll give me exposure yeah. to X Y and Z and then it work for my benefit and you know that would that won't be my monetary compensation, but I'll get compensation because I have the exposure, exposure yeah. and then nothing comes out mm-hmm. from it. Nothing, no, nothing. I, I don't benefit in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I brought her on, so everything comes through her now, and she's able to weed it so out. It's like for so long, I felt like I was being taken advantage of. Because your talent, you were giving your talents and yeah. your services for free. Exactly. Right. Not exactly. being compensated for. Yeah. It. And, and I, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, so Baron, Baron Trump. You guys saw little Baron. He's what ten years old, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you have something to say about Baron? Baron Trump. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The media has really been going in on little Baron Trump. Yeah. We're really going in kid. on him. Yeah. He is a child. Have you seen the videos or read uh, any of the comments? I didn't look. I saw things, but I didn't look at. It. I didn't okay. read them. The media has has shown him no mercy for a 10-year-old child. Oh wow. I mean, the the videos they have sh- they've called him autistic. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. They said he was disinterested in the inauguration, which uh, 10 years old yeah, he probably sure was. But some of the videos that they've shown and how they have just went in on this little boy, mm-hmm. they had one and they said this is the worst high five disaster ever. And it was, uh, it was <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> it showed his mother at the inauguration attempting to give him a high five. Uh-huh. And he looked at her and did like this, like, leave me alone. Right. Really? And then during the inaugural uh, parade, mm-hmm. she was holding his hand, mm-hmm. and he snatched it away from her. Well, that's, that's typical. That's typical. That's typical. And for te- if it was a teenager, you probably could say, okay, act a certain yeah. way because uh-huh. he was what, at 10. But little Baron Trump, they um, were pretty cruel to yeah. him. Um, the Sar- there was a Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, writer who uh-huh. wrote that he is going to be the first homeschool shooter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And again, we're talking about celebrities. Yeah, Katie Rich. Katie Rich. And she has yeah. since, what I understand, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, suspended. she was suspended yeah. indefinitely. Doesn't that mean fired? Doesn't that say? Well, thing? I don't know, because there's a campaign. Um, hashtag keep Katie Rich going around. Um, and I, I know she also apologized for she what did. she said. Right. But do you think, like, uh, it's inevitable that we attack, you know, presidents and people who are public figures. But do you think kids should be off limits? It's I remember com- Chelsea had I a bad time, too. I think modern children should be off limits because it's, it's not line. their fault that they're in that position. Or their parents can choose to keep them out of the limelight. Right. They don't have to be in the limelight. Right. Well, that's true. It's that's a choice. That's a choice. I always feel like, like it's a thin line, especially, like, when it comes to comedy, where people have to understand what comedy is. Comedy is tragedy turned funny, yeah. mm-hmm. period. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So what people tend to do is they tend to say, oh, now that's not funny. Now, there's a couple of things that falls in line with, oh, now that's not funny. Right. Uh, this would be one of those type of situations. But <clears throat> if you wanted to talk about his shoes, you know, like why is this kid wearing this shoe? You know, like something like that. Like that's harmless, but yeah. it's out there because he was on TV. He had those shoes. His dad is obviously rich, and he had these type of shoes. You know, like something like that. But when you start attacking, you know, like this, it's the same thing that Trump tends to do yeah. when, it, when, when it comes to bullying. Exactly. And I think what the media is 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 in a way doing is letting Trump know this is what, this is what the American like. people yes. feel like you're doing. Or experiencing. Yeah. And you're bullying them. So because they're the media, because the media makes and breaks any and, and everybody. And mm-hmm. what <laughs> Trump did with the reporter that was oh uh, yeah. You know, disabled. The disabled right. Yeah. So but I, I think children, minor children should be left alone mm-hmm. by the media. Uh, I do believe, like I said earlier, they don't have to be in the limelight. Mm-hmm. I think they should go. However, the media does what it does. Right. And if it's there, they're going to comment about it, and they're going to use it to their to their advantage. Um, Chelsea um, defended him. Mm-hmm. She said that they should let him be a, a child. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, just let him be a kid. And she suffered a lot as a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chelsea Clinton. In a, in a, um, yeah. I was reading White something House. where a lady told me that the first political argument she ever got into was when um, Rush Limbaugh, mm-hmm. who, if you know who he is, mm-hmm. he's Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> said that she looked like a dog. Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, and it's, it was horrible. She took a lot of criticism, as did Amy Carter. Mm-hmm. And so he's not excluded, but I think a 10 year old child um, to be exposed to that 
type of uh, degradation yeah. because it's not his choice. Um, yeah, I read today that yesterday the White House actually made a statement and they quote unquote asked the media to please back off of Darren. Really? Yeah, mm. they asked that. Now, mm. the media does what the media does. Trump's right. trying to have them removed from the White House. Right. The yeah. media? Yeah. Yeah. Like forever? <laughs> Well, he's just trying to do anything just because of what he does. And it's like I tell people, um, him being president doesn't change my thinking as an American citizen. Uh Uh, I don't care what color I am. I know that I was born here. Um, And at the end of the day, uh, I still have the ability and the choice to chase the American dream. And to... To a lot of people who who are who's mad at him, who's mad at anybody who's in office, I mean, like nobody's ever going to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Do I think that you know what he conveys, uh, message-wise, how he doesn't condemn uh, uh, people that are out there doing Wrongdoing. certain mm-hmm. acts? Because I can guarantee you, I mean, I put this out on Twitter not too long ago, and I said, for the supporters of Donald Trump. Knowing how you were against uh, President Obama, if Obama had appointed Farrakhan to any mm. cabinet of his administration, mm. we, we know what part of America would have lost their minds. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when we see him condone things like appointing, you know, KKK members yes. mm-hmm. to, I mean, Jeez. you know, and and to see the supporters still and why have this. And why is that so acceptable right. for him to do that? Right. So so that's the message that I tried to convey to them. It's like, just, just not. I'm not asking you to put yourself in our shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put yourself in the, in the shoes that you would be wearing, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if, if that situation was reversed. Exercise. And it just doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, um, but... That's true. We'll finish that conversation up after our first guest. But okay. I also want to get into the con- to the the chemistry or the lack of chemistry between our first la- our new first lady and our, our new president. A lot of people <laughs> have been commenting on that. When I was watching, I was like, "What? what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah." But you know, we have our first guest called in. She is Cheryl B. Evans. She's a wife, a mother, a friend, and an author. Cheryl B. Evans was born and raised in Canada. She has been happily married to her husband for more than 23 years, and together they have raised two wonderful children, one of whom is transgender. In her latest book, I Promise Not to Tell, it is the author's personal desire that the book leave a positive mark on the world, helping others to better understand transgender people. So please help me welcome to the show, Ms. Cheryl B. Evans. How are you, Cheryl? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Thanks for being on the show, and let's just get right into talking about your book. I promise not to tell. So sure. why did you write this book? Tell us about the background that led to you writing it. Well, I really wrote the book for myself, and it really wasn't a book to begin with. Um, it was more just personal journaling that I started to write to help me track what was happening in our family. It was a way for me to deal with the changes that were happening, for me to keep track of all the education that I was learning, everything I was learning about to do with gender dysphoria. It was a way for me to track appointments, like doctor's appointments, calls I had been making um, to even legislators. We were working on some laws here in, in Ontario, Canada. Um, and things like that. So it really sort of became a journal. Mm -hmm. And um, quite a ways into it, I started realizing, hey, you know, all these heart-wrenching stories that I'm writing and all this educational information, 
is starting to form something that I wished I had available to me when Jordan first came out to us. And it seemed at that point, as much as it was so deeply personal and would be painful to kind of put out there, I thought there was such a value in it for others. And if there was other families struggling and having difficulty with acceptance and coming to terms with a child that they had as transgender, that this would really help them. And so ultimately it was written for me, but it was published for everyone else. Okay, so to your level of comfortability, but when Jordan came out, what about... What age was that? Around 12. Around 12, oh, wow. Um, I think that for Jordan, Jordan had always felt himself to be male on the inside um, mm-hmm. since a very early age. And at around two and a half or three years old, actually made a comment to me one night as I was tucking him into bed about wanting to be male or feeling male. And I disregarded it. Um, to me, there was no such thing as transgender children. I didn't know anything about them. I didn't mm-hmm. know it existed, knew nothing about gender dysphoria. So for me, it was just some nonsense that my kid was spewing one evening as I tucked him into bed. Mm. Um, in hindsight, there was a lot of tales along the way and things that I just kind of pushed under the rug from ignorance. Um, and it wasn't until I availed myself with a lot of education um, that I was able to sort of understand what was going on. And by that time, Jordan was 12 and going through puberty and other things were starting to happen that were making it more and more difficult for him. Um, initially, he was just a regular tomboy, as mm-hmm. far as we were concerned, and, you know, it was okay that he wore ball caps and, and uh, did karate instead of play with Barbies, but mm. when it came to puberty, that's when things started to turn, and I don't think that Jordan could handle it any longer as just keeping it in, and it was going into depression. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he had tried to commit suicide. Oh, wow. Um, so things really came to a head around that time, and that's when we realized what was going on, and when we saw... Um, sought out professionals and people who could help us on the path to figuring out, you know, what was best for Jordan. Today, um, we're now into Jordan is just this month turning 19. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, a lot of years have gone by, and Jordan has transitioned now and is living his life stealthily, meaning not out to the world, um, but living his life as the male that he knows himself to be and is incredibly happy. Um, and looking at Jordan, there is no doubt that this was the right thing for Jordan. Wow. Interesting, uh, Cheryl. This is uh, Quincy Carr. Uh, how Hi, Quincy. Hey, how, how's everything going? Good. Great, great. A uh, quick question for you. Like, what, what, what do you say to the people who say parents like you are hurting their children by allowing them to transition? Yeah, it's such a great question, Quincy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that has happened. Um, people have, you know, suggested that to us. And I think what I say, first and foremost, I would as- assume by that type of a question, um, that they don't know a transgender person, that mm-hmm. they have never actually had a conversation or sat down and had a meaningful meeting in any way with a transgender person. And I would respect that that's how they feel and where they're coming from, um, because I feel that in a way I was there. I was in a place of ignorance, and it was only when I availed myself of education that I came to realize that gender dysphoria is a real thing, and it is something that... You know, it isn't something that's conditioned or anything that parents can put on their children or in the way that we bring up our children, um, but it is actually something that is in the child's brain, and it is there before they're born, and there's mm-hmm. just this disconnect between their physical body and their brain. I mean, there's a part of the brain for everything, right? We think of, you know, there's a part of the brain that helps you move your left foot. There's a part of your brain that controls your speech. There's mm-hmm. a part of your brain that moves your eyes for you. Well, there's a part of your brain where your gender identity lies. And sometimes that does not align 
with the sex that we were assigned at birth um, based on the genitals that are between our legs. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for most families because it seems so impossible that your daughter could actually be your son or your son your daughter, and it's not anything that we're ever prepared for. Um, and because it's such a, you know, a small percentage of the population, most people don't even think about it unless it involves them. So to those people, I would say, please educate yourself, you know, um, before you, you're so firm in your stance that it's not possible and that I'm hurting my child, um, maybe get a little bit of education, be open to something, be, um, aware that there is so much we don't know. And with education, you know, there's a lot that we can discover. Okay. Cheryl, um... This is Rita, and I just want to say it must take a lot of courage for you to not only speak about this, but to put it in writing, your journal. Um, you said it started out as a journal, and those are very intimate and personal thoughts, and you actually ended up publishing that. So I have two questions. First one is, yeah. how does Jordan feel about you writing about him? And that's his life, even though it's your life as well, because you guys went through this as a family, but how does... Jordan feel about you writing about his personal um, challenges and the transition that he's gone through? Yeah, thank you for the question, Rita. Um, the title of the book is I Promise Not to Tell, Raising a Transgender Child. And the title came about because once I had written um, the journal and decided that I kind of wanted to edit, and su- edit it in such a way that it could become a book that would be helpful to other people, I obviously had to go to Jordan. And I had to, you know, see how Jordan would feel about this because when I originally wrote it, I didn't write it for anyone else's eyes. I didn't think anyone else would ever see it. And so I was very open in it. And um, there's a lot of deeply personal thoughts and feelings that are in there that, um, you know, are going to affect other people's opinions of Jordan and and of our family. And uh, did they want that? Did he want that to be out there? And so because Jordan lives a stealth life, which means that only very close friends and and close family members are even aware that Jordan is transgender, um, I had to find a way to put this out there so that it could be there for other families as a resource and yet still protect Jordan's desire to live a stealth life. And so Jordan, not his real name, nor is Cheryl mine. And so the story is completely authentic, but I did change all of our family names in order to be able to bring the story to everyone else. Okay, I understand that. And the second question that I have for you is, of course, there were challenges, but what part of your family's journey did you find the most challenging? For us, it was most challenging um, when outside people got involved with our family business. And um, I mean, again, we were trying to learn and we came, my husband and I came from a place of sheer ignorance on this topic. So it was a huge uphill battle and we had to do it quickly because we had a child who was you know, undergoing, like, was in a situation of trauma and suicidal, and, you know, you can't just push all that away. You ha- you can't ignore it. So for us, it was a quick learning curve, and let's get on, like, let's figure out what's going on, and let's get as much information, as many people to talk to as we can. And so that was enough to deal with without a lot of pressure coming at us from outside influences, but unfortunately, that happens. Um, and for us, that was the toughest thing. And I have um, two wonderful children, and my children have always been super close since a very young age. But when this started happening, this outside influence started coming at us, um, which was not positive, it was negative coming at us, um, it affected my children greatly. And it really damaged and fractured the bond that they had. And 
these two wonderful human beings who were so close for such a long time became almost complete strangers for a while. And mm. it took years for us to repair the damage that those outside influences had d- done to our family. And, you know, I, I know that it was well-meaning, and I know that there was people who believed that, you know, maybe saying certain things to my daughter or saying certain things to our family in general were helping us but they did an awful lot of damage. And I think one of the messages in the book and throughout the book, you'll hear love. I mean, there's love Mm -hmm. in every chapter of that book. And I think that what I am trying to help people to understand is that really that has to be at the core of everything. And um, if we can love our children and just accept our children, regardless of what, you know, they bring to us and, and make sure that first and foremost, that they're in a safe environment, then I think that that's, you know, the most important thing. And other people, as well-meaning as they are, caused our family more grief than than any help that they may have intended I to do. But that was think, the most challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people may think that they're helping um, and don't realize that they're doing damage. Additional uh, harm, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's yeah. challenges when you're dealing with children in general. So the one that you had to deal with, I'm sure, was enormous compared to what some of us deal with without children. Thank you. No, thank you. So, Cheryl, this is Will again. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, so, was there any type of uh, dealing with the, the background of your family? Was there any type of conflict and perhaps religious beliefs? Was did the church or anything get involved in you know how you were accepting Jordan's decision or what he was experiencing? Mm-hmm. Um, that was there. Was, there's a whole chapter in the book I write um, on you know what does God think is the title of the chapter, and okay. I kind of go into that quite a bit. Um, and yes, of course there was, um, but. Again, for us, for Jim and I, I mean, our first and foremost, our biggest church is our church of family, and okay. we believe in, in our core family and helping our family. And I think that one of the, for me personally, the greatest way that I can serve my God is by taking care of that which has already been given to me. Mm. And what has been given to me is two remarkable young human beings. And so um, taking care of them and putting them first and putting love first is, is how I believe that I serve God the best. But as far as... Um, the people that came to us, and a lot of that outside influence was from a religious background. Mm-hmm. And um, my daughter is more religious um, than my son, or even than my husband and I, and so it affected her the most. And she was really torn because these people are coming at her and telling her things about her own sibling, who she's known and cared for, you know, her whole life. And they're saying that, you know, things like, you know. It, it doesn't exist like it's not of god that person mm-hmm. living in your house is not of god mm-hmm. i mean who says that to somebody yeah. um so yeah those were certainly the struggles and they that's where they came from and, and again it, the people who said that didn't mean to, to fracture us it didn't mean to hurt us um and i understand that but it took me a while to get there it took me a long time to to sort of be able to forgive that and and understand that you know where they were coming from it wasn't they weren't meaning to do damage and you, you also went through a grieving process, right, when your son came out. Tell us about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even um, I wrote about that in the book, and, and at the end of the book I actually talk about how Jordan felt about some of what I wrote about. And obviously it's coming from a mother's perspective, and, and sometimes your children don't always like the way that you see things and, and prefer the way they look at things. But one of the things I did mention in the book was that I, at a time I felt I almost had to grieve my daughter. Mm-hmm. Because even though Jordan was a tomboy in the early years of his life, to me, he was still my daughter. And, you know, testosterone took away that beautiful feminine voice that I remember. Mm. And so I guess in the end, I mean, it's not a word that 
Jordan felt that I should have used, and he actually kind of said to me, you know, I, I didn't die, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. And yes, he is right here. But he, in some way, I guess it's more of an expectation that I had to grieve. Exactly. Because when, I ha- when you have a baby, you think, oh, you have a baby girl, and you're going to grow up and you're going to do these things, and these are going to be the family dynamics based on now I have two daughters. Mm-hmm. And that dynamic shifts a lot when someone transitions. And so I don't look at Jordan as my daughter. I look at Jordan as my son, and maybe the mother-son things I do with him are very different than what I would do with my daughter. And so maybe it's grieving more so the expectations I had, I think, for Jordan's life than it's grieving the person. And again, for me, that was all part of my overall journey and my learning experience. Hmm, i got a quick question uh, as well. Um, uh, Since Jordan is the name that's in the book, um, your your son's name now is that a name like who chose that was it you did you guys or was it him that chose do you mean the name for the book quincy the the name do you mean who chose jordan yes yes yeah um jordan chose jordan (laughs) Um, he chose that name when we were going to to write the book, well, one of the things I talk about in the book is how fortunate my son was to have a gender-neutral name, which my son does have. Um, and so we had oh, to yeah. find another gender-neutral name that we could use in the book that would explain how the name thing, you know, came to be or the fact that, that he never had to change his first name. Um, and so it, we made a list of all gender-neutral names, and um, my son went through and, and picked the one that he liked. So he picked Jordan, and that was the name that went into the book. Got you. Okay. 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 What? Is there another question? <laughs> well, hold up. I want to make sure that that I asked it clearly, because I, th- I think the question I was asking was your the your actual child, not the not the uh, name in the book. Um, is that name the, the same name, or is it? I mean, not Jordan, but is it? Um, you know what? I'm I'm really <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make sure that I ask it correctly. The, the current name, or the name of your daughter that that w- was born, and now you 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 look at her as your son. Is that correct? Correct. Right. Um, the name that you all named her is that the same name? That, that they go by today? Yes. Yes. It is. The okay. name, the given name that I gave my child at birth is the same name, is the same first name that my child goes by today. Gotcha. Oh, that name okay. is not Jordan. Gotcha. Okay. Right. The name is not Jordan because I can't out my son yeah, right. because exactly. I promise not okay. to tell. <laughs> right, right, right. right. And that's yes, why I was just trying to make so sure. So that okay. name could go either way. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and okay. when, when I was... When I was pregnant, we even said that. We said, well, let's pick this name, um, because whether it's a boy or a girl, the name's going to fit. Okay. okay. So, yeah. yeah, the name that he has today is, is his birth name. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, intuition. And I, actually, I tell another <laughs> really interesting story in the book, too, about a dream I had that uh-huh. really, in hindsight, must have been preparing me for, exactly. for you know, we don't always get what we expect. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Did you want to ask a question? Uh, let me see. Oh. Uh, here's one. Um, like, how how should parents react if they suspect their child may have gender uh, dysphoria? Mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, love your child and make sure that they know that they are safe in telling you and having conversations with you about this and make sure that you know that they are loved. The suicide rate is far too high amongst the transgender community, mm-hmm. and they are a very, very vulnerable group. 
So first and foremost, just make sure that guard your reaction, regardless of what you feel, regardless of, you know, whether you feel this is a real thing, it's not a real thing, regardless. Mm -hmm. This is your child and you want them to be safe. And so first and foremost, safety, make them feel that it's a good thing they came to you and that they are loved no matter what. And then from there, I would say educate because really we can't, I mean, I'm coming about this as a mother. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, And I need these kind of people these kind of people, excuse me, to talk to me about what we're dealing with and and what the best way is to go about it. Um, There are times where young children may seem or present as if they have gender dysphoria and they don't have gender dysphoria at all. So we need to make sure that we have professionals involved that can help us distinguish when it is and when it isn't so that we don't make mistakes with our child's care. Mm -hmm. That's important. Cheryl, did you have a difficult time going from calling your child, from referring to her as her, to calling, referring mm-hmm. to him as him? Yeah, the pronouns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It was, oh, wow. You know, it was, was that a so change? easy. Yeah. It was so easy, it was. Rita, to slip up. It was oh, okay, so to easy slip to up. slip up yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, this was 12, right? So mm-hmm. um, even something as simple as, you know, when dinner's ready, I used to call out, girls, dinner's ready. Right. Well, that wasn't appropriate anymore. Right. <laughs> um, so, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. We stumbled, and I think that as long as we quickly would correct ourselves and, you know, or apologize when we slipped up, then, you know, Jordan appreciated that, and he knew we were trying. But, like I said, when you call somebody she or, or a certain way for 12 years, you can't, can't expect somebody just to switch just it. Your brain just doesn't exactly. do that that quickly. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. Obviously, when other people came over to the house, I was way more on my toes and trying very hard not to slip up because there's a lot of friends and people who have come into our lives in the mm-hmm. last few years who, who don't know we anything don't know. about, yeah, Jordan's history. So um, that became a little bit, you know, more, I guess, stressful when there was other people in the house. But no, um, it, it came, but it did take a little bit of time for I sure. C- yeah, I can understand that. I actually... I witnessed the transgender. Uh, uh, I want to. I didn't witness the surgery, but I knew someone that went through transgender surgery as a, an adult person. Uh, yeah. And we knew them as he, as him, right. by one yeah. name, and then we had to get used to calling them the other pronoun. And it, we would go back and forth. We would catch ourselves saying, "Well, he said." I mean, she said, because when it didn't, you know, when it's the transgender takes place, you know, after you've known someone as one way, it, it's not very easy to, but we got used to no. it eventually. Um, well, I am so grateful that you tried. Yeah. There are I, so many people that wouldn't try. Yeah. 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 Um, the other question I have for you is, um, there's been a lot of, uh, talking in media lately about the big bathroom debate and, mm. you know, the North Carolina's bathroom law, HB2, mm. I think it's called. What mm. are your thoughts on, on that? I've been thinking a lot about this the last couple of days. I actually did a blog post on it a couple of months ago, but I was, it's really been on my mind the last couple of days. And you know what it boils down to? I was thinking yesterday, for me, it's almost a beauty privilege. Because let's be honest, there are tons of transgender people out there that are living stealth lives that you and I have no clue. When we pass them on the street, we True. have no clue of their transgender history. True. And um, where do you think they've been going to the bathroom all the time? They've been going into the bathroom with which they identify, and nobody has said anything to them because they blend. 
Okay, right. they blend in completely well, and they nobody questions them. And have they been raping or killing anybody? No, they've just been going in there and doing their business the same as everybody else. But now, because it's in this news and it's this big debate, I'm thinking, you know, the only people really that this is a problem for are the people who don't have privilege of beauty, and are people, unfortunately, who perhaps have stuffed this gender dysphoria deep down inside them and lived with it uncomfortably for so many years and perhaps haven't had the courage to come out until much later in life. Mm -hmm. They finally have the courage. They come out, like Rita was saying, her friend, later in life. Perhaps they don't blend as well. They get labeled these men in dresses, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they're the ones people are pointing their fingers at and saying, you don't belong in the same bathroom as my daughter. Well, if that person that we're pointing a finger at, that, that I'm talking about right now, had have had you know, transitioned younger, like Jordan, their characteristics would not be what they are later in life. Perhaps they would, you know, they would be like Jordan. Jordan will walk into any men's bathroom anywhere and nobody will look at him. If he went into a woman's bathroom, people would be freaking out, but yeah. not in a men's bathroom. <laughs> right. But if you're later in life, and especially I think if you're going from... Um, male to female, and mm. you have already masculine, a lot of masculine features. It takes a lot of time for the hormones to soften that, and even with the surgeries, sometimes you don't blend as well as you would like. And those are the people, let's face it, that are making everybody uncomfortable. So really, what it comes down to is beauty, right? Mm, if everybody was beautiful and just blended the way we expect them to be, then society would leave people alone and let them just go pee already. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, but Cheryl, you do know that some people, I think the whole debate thing and and the issue is some people are taking advantage of the fact that they can, and there are people that are not transgender, they are pedophiles and perverts that will take advantage of that. I think some of those people that are making it hard for people that are transgender because they will take advantage of the fact that they can dress up like a male or female and go into that restroom with intentions of doing harm to children. Yeah, and that's generally how with this all country due respect, works, you know, at all, times. So. With all due respect, Rita, though, that doesn't happen. Rapists don't put on dresses. They just don't. They don't put on dresses and go into a bathroom. What's actually happening is the complete opposite. You have people who are born, in some states you can't change your birth certificate, so you have people who are born female, they transition to male, they look and present completely male, Mm -hmm. and their birth certificate says they are female. So they must go into the female bathroom as a bearded man in North Carolina. Now, that makes absolutely no sense, Mm -hmm. but that's what the law is telling them to do. So now the the pedophiles you're speaking of, if they exist, that want to do it in bathrooms, um, they don't have to put on a dress, Rita, Mm -hmm. because they can just go in in all their manly glory and blend in with all the other transgender men who have female birth certificates. Gotcha. True. You know what I mean? Because so it's it really doesn't solve the problem, and I don't know of any statistic, and I would challenge you to find them where it says that people rapists have put on dresses and gone into a female washroom and done physical harm to somebody mm-hmm. else. There's already laws that protect us against that. Because if that's what we were really worried about, what about all the pedophiles who go after young boys? You don't see the men splitting up washrooms where the young boys under a certain age go in here, but older men must use a different bathroom because you could be a pedophile. That's true. That's true. That's true. Thank you. But, but yeah. Cheryl, what do you yeah. hope your biggest takeaway is um, 
from readers who do read I Promise Not to Tell. I just want to open a few more minds, I think, and I just want um, people, especially people who um, are so harsh in society, to believe that it's not a real thing or that this is something that people are making up in their mind. Um, I hope that I Promise Not to Tell puts a human face on transgenderism and lets them know the real type of people that are, are going through this. And um, because of how deeply personal this memoir turned out to be, um, I think it's very difficult for someone to read it from start to finish and not feel that they know a piece of Jordan. Mm -hmm. And if you get to know Jordan or you feel that you know someone that intimately, um, I can't see how it can't start to soften some of society's harsh views of such a vulnerable community. And so that is what I hope the takeaway is. Nice, nice. And uh, Cheryl, a quick question. Um, I'm a, uh, well, in my profession, I'm a comedian. So jokes come, um, it's just like I was talking, uh, you know, to Will and Rita earlier about how there's a thin line in comedy. So yeah. as you can imagine, with the whole Caitlyn Jenner situation, comics have just had a, uh, you know, pardon the pun, but they've had a ball with, with that situation, okay? Oh yeah, of so, course. So um, the question that I have is, as a, as a person who's been a woman your entire life, um, did you or do you feel any slight, I guess, disrespect that uh, when when Caitlin made the gender or the, the choice to transition and identify as a woman um, and then immediately receives the Courage of the Year Award and also receive uh i guess the woman of the year or, or was some type of award like as a woman do you feel like that's a slight to to women in general i personally do not zero fiber of my being would relate with someone who would feel that way um but again i think it's because i have an intimate knowledge of transgender people and i don't see caitlin jenner as a man in a woman's dress. I don't see her as someone who is pretending to be a woman. I don't see her as anything but a real woman. And I think that the problem is that with Caitlin, she, I think, just pushed her feelings down for such a long time or couldn't put her finger on, you know, what it was that was going on with her and not realizing that it was a gender dysphoria issue all along. Mm -hmm. And so am I going to punish her for picking up on that late in life or realizing that late in life and coming out now? No. Do I think it was courageous? Yeah, I kind of do. Because I think that especially someone in the public eye and someone who is, you know, a medal winner and, and had such a strong masculine background in a lot of people's minds, um, I think it was a courageous thing. Yeah. But I, I don't think that, I honestly don't think she's less of a woman. I think it's in her brain. And for me, and just because of, I think, the education that I've done on this topic, I really recognize the big difference between sex and gender. Mm -hmm. And I think that for a lot of people, that's where a lot of their struggle begins. I think a lot of people think that it's a choice, that she mm -hmm. just chose. She's, she's choosing that she wants to live her life as a woman. And like you were saying, um, for so long we knew this person. I think she's choosing to live authentically. I think she's yeah. choosing to finally show the world who she really is. But mm -hmm. she just didn't wake up one day for no reason and say, okay, I just want to start yeah, living as a girl. Something that she, that I believe um, Caitlin has been dealing with forever, but just hasn't had the cur courage to come through. It's a journey. And some people, it just takes yeah. longer to get to that place where they're comfortable in, in living authentically. I have a friend right now who is married with two um, teenage children and has um, 
felt since you know a younger age that um, he was more feminine than masculine. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, in trying to live in society's box, and well, I, I'm supposed to grow up and get married and have kids and do all of that, and has been pushing this and pushing this and pushing this down, um, is the inside torment that is going on within this person right now is just horrible, and I would never wish it on anyone. And yet it's all because, you know, we have society has these boxes and has these places we expect people to fit and when they don't the pressure that we put on them mm-hmm. um is, is just so damaging yeah right 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 okay um cheryl where can our listeners find your book well it's online just about everywhere <laughs> so if they can go to amazon barnes and noble uh, books a million even ibooks they can find it anywhere there um, and if they want to go into their, you know, local bookstores, um, they can order it in, like Barnes okay. & Noble will order okay. it in for you, uh, Chapters Indigo will order it in for you. It's available in both electronic as well as paperback, paperback. books. Okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I'd encourage people to also, you know, check me out on social media. Um, my handle for pretty much everything is Written by Mom. So Written by Mom at Facebook, Written by Mom on Twitter. Um, and also my website is writtenbymom.ca, and there's some interesting blog posts on there as well, including one that just went up last week, which was an essay that Jordan wrote um, when he was in his final year of high school, which was just last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an English essay he wrote, and it was kind of about how he felt growing up and a bit about his gender dysphoria. Oh, wow. Awesome, okay. awesome. Well, yeah. sure, yeah. Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, we really appreciate you. it. Can't wait to read the book. I think I'm going to get that book and read that. I appreciate you um, sharing your journey and your story. Yes. Thank well, you, thank you all so very much. You guys have an awesome rest of the night. You, you too. too. Uh, you Good luck. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It. We'll straight on your screen. We'll be right back. You wanted to see me? Yes, please. Have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. (sighs) We want to hire you. You're, You're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Peekaboo. Peekaboo, smile. Smile, buddy. Come on, smile. Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. (sighs) Yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby, I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism, and we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. 
Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. It's like, like that's what I'm trying. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Face It in the studio. Still with Rita and Quincy having a good conversation. Yeah, we have a good, good conversation. conversation. Which is okay, let's continue the conversation. Of course. Um <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully some people will call in. Um yeah, and give you so okay, so go ahead, Quincy. All right. So based on what uh, Cheryl was talking about, like mm-hmm. I understand her position that she's taken on. She doesn't feel a certain way if a man who uh, uh transitions to a woman uh receives accolades of women who's been women all their lives Mm -hmm. like i don't understand how that you know kind of trumps that just because so you don't feel it's fair like it doesn't sound right it's just like the uh like i mentioned the um in the 2016 olympics the kenyan that ran i I believe she was transgender from a man and she blew that she blew the track away Mm -hmm. i mean like she was still operating with i think male testosterone Male, male testosterone energy levels, mm-hmm. and it's like, th- like that. That to me, I mean, anybody could do that. Like I could be not so good in in basketball in the men's league and say, you know what, I'm gonna Joanna man this situation, <laughs> and I'm gonna, you know, you know, identify as a woman, and then I'll get credit immediately, and oh then wow. I'll be able to go and play. you would excel, right? Because of of I mean, we're all human, mm-hmm. but we still have much more stronger levels than a female is going to have. So, but at the same time, you also as a female has have stronger 
uh, things that we as a man don't, don't have. have. So I don't understand how with Caitlyn Jenner, how that that's acceptable to just say, hey, you're a courageous person. You you just made this trans transition. And then on top of that, we're going to give you woman of the year. Now that I, I don't like, agree. Well, with. you like know what? I don't agree with that. Within, the, within the community, th- it was a lot of um, controversy going on because <coughs> a lot of people like Janet Mock, who's been on Oprah, who's big with Oprah. Um, yeah. Laverne Cox is on mm-hmm. what Orange is the New Black. A lot of people were saying she's not the first person. Um, who's living transgendered openly, and why did she get that thing? She, I think she, I think in in part it was a political move because of the climate that we're in. Absolutely, a lot of issues are coming forward, mm-hmm. and I just think it was a good opportunity or the best opportunity that whoever produces that. What what magazine was it? Was it? Was it oh, Vanity Fair? Was it Vanity? I just think it was their opportunity to be politically correct, and um, she had a big and Caitlyn Jenner has a big platform mm-hmm. for that issue. I think. So how, how do you think it would make like? Quincy was saying a woman say a woman that was born female that could have gotten that title to have it awarded to someone who was transgender. Right. Um, a woman that's had a woman. children, a woman that's that's gone through, you know, cycles you know, of being a woman, you mom know, and like like that's okay, the I point. have two answers for that. Okay. I have from being within the community, I have an answer for that, which is try again next time. Try Ooh. again next year. <laughs> It'll be a, somebody. Will, I mean, I okay. think that was what two years ago. So there was one this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that and is we're just in a time where LGBT people, LGBT people are getting rights. They're being recognized for who they are. They're not being um, necessarily um, condemned. Some people are still condemning, but um, I just think this is our time that we're coming to the forefront and we're getting a lot of the accolades that um, would do us mm-hmm. from from back in the past. I just think there was an opportunity. I personally commend them for doing that. Um, I can definitely see where you you would feel that, you know, a biological woman Mm -hmm. um, should have that honor, but I'm sure they have it this year. Well, you know, and to to add to that, Will, um, it's not that the LGBT community shouldn't be (coughs) recognized or acknowledged. Mm -hmm. The the point I think that people are going to feel is why not you know, 10 years from now, why not five years from now that she could get a chance to live the life that she identifies as for some time? Like, oh. why did it happen immediately? Okay. Oh, like, so quick. Like, okay. it was she hadn't within, done anything in that. Right, mm-hmm. it was within six months or so okay. of her. Right. And, and so it was about ratings, it was about magazine sales. And it's like, you know, that's not really a statement to me. It's more of a statement, hey, let's... Uh, Let's get this buzz. But that's uh-huh. what America's about. America's about, you know, get it, get it now and mm-hmm. worry about it later. I'm and that's the point. Like I'm saying, like, why is so immediate? I'm not even sure if what was going on in society. Was that a time when there was a lot of LGBT issues going on? Um, yeah, because Obama, like Obama had already well, you know, it was the passed the, uh, you, know, the you, you know, the gay marriage law well, and all it that was stuff. The timing. And so things are just mm-hmm. growing. And so it's like I said, I don't have an issue um, with the fact that she was awarded that. Mm-hmm. My issue was is that because she's a celebrity, it mm-hmm. happened immediately. Yeah. And it's almost a disrespect to people who are women. Mm-hmm. Okay, let this woman be a woman for a little bit before she earns that title of woman of, of the, the year. year. Okay, That's I can see where you're going. I can see where you're going. Yes, and also like when we were talking before about um, children being in the media, mm-hmm. celebrities of she was already high profile mm-hmm. right. before the 
the transition. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they just pushed it to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Cheryl was, was already on a reality show. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows about the Kardashians. Right. So it's almost like maybe it was politically b- based. Maybe it was. I'm sure there was some politics behind. Yeah. She was the, already the, the in a lot of yeah. So it's almost like they just pushed it to the front and right. almost yeah. like exploited. Oh, this we would right. we would love exactly. to almost to like hear your thoughts on it. If you want to call us seven five seven six eight three four four zero five, I can definitely understand what she was saying, but you know she got it. <laughs> what, what was the first answer? Right. Try again next year. Don't, don't hate. Yeah. <laughs> Try again but, next year. You know, we're, our, our next guest is about to call in, so I want to go ahead and introduce him before he calls. Um, we have Gleb Sapersky who's calling in, and um, his primary vocation is helping people, organizations, and our society as a whole avoid disaster through science based decision making and emotional and social intelligence. So he's going to talk to us about the irrationality in our politics. Of course, that's going to be big with our incoming, mm-hmm. um, well, our current administration. Not incoming anymore. It's <laughs> our right. current. Right, that's yeah. right. <laughs> this thing happens. Jeez. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's reality. It's here. But let's talk about this team. Okay, there was a team. Did you guys see the movie Loving? It really didn't get a lot of play. No. It was about the first, uh, I don't know yeah, if it was the, the first. Yeah, oh, the African-American. The interracial couple. couple. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, young, a young and lady it was that's from an actress here. Oh really? Um, she she was her stand-in. Oh. So anytime it was a scene or something, then, uh-huh. then they would have her because uh, the young lady mm-hmm. uh, I forgot her name, uh, Olivia, mm-hmm. um, and she's over in she's overseas studying. I think she she mm-hmm. she's in film school. But yeah, really? she actually played her stand-in. Okay. Looked okay. just like her. Too. I think the couple was here though. In fr- from Virginia. Yeah. 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 The couple. I didn't but see them more. But there was a teen who raised thirty-five thousand dollars for college after her family cut her off for having a b- black boyfriend. Um, her name was Allie Dowdle. She was 18 years, Tennessee resident. Um, she was found to have a relationship with the, with the black guy. And her parents basically cut her off financially. And what she did, she took matters into her own hands. She launched a GoFundMe page. Um, and she wanted a goal of $10,000 so she could go to school. And within a week, she raised $34,675. Oh, nice. Um, her dad was saying that, you know, his problem was dating a black man may not be his preference because of the issues involved with biracial dating in the South. Um, then sh- she got a lot of you know support from raising the money, but a lot of people criticized her for resorting to starting a GoFundMe page. So I want to know, how do you feel about that happening in 2017? And do you think she should have, would you guys have started the GoFundMe? I say kudos to her. And the reason why I say kudos to her is because you know how many, you know how difficult it is to get young people to actually be active and do something like yeah. like when parents cut them off they are like They're they dumb. have yeah. nothing right, to right, do. Right, right. like yeah. like so kudos to her yeah. to go out and do that i mean i tried to do uh not a gofundme i tried to do a kickstarter for this project that i i did this past summer and it was hard mm-hmm. to get people to click the button to say that they're going to donate to do all that so kudos to her for being young mm-hmm. and and you know, and having whatever she believed in and she knew, like, and she didn't just raise money so she could live yeah, with her boyfriend. Right. She raised well, money so she can get an education. Right. Like, like her parents, if anything, that should make them be like, wow, well, I don't care her. about the right. racism yeah. down here. What you just did in the face of this adversity, yeah. I love you even more. Right. I welcome you and the boyfriend. And that goes... Her goal was only ten thousand dollars, so right. it also speaks to society's views changing because she raised thirty four thousand. No, I'm yeah. wondering though, when she started the GoFundMe page, does it say that she mentioned that's the reason why? Did she mention that she was oh. cut off because of the interracial? Or was it just I want to go to college? Yes. 
Okay. I mean, I'm I just wondering how, uh, how. I don't even think they had a post. But I agree with Quincy. Yes, for her to take the initiative to do that, I don't know how old this. She's 18. 18 yeah. to do that. Man. Um, I would be proud <laughs> of my child. Yeah, like that would make me ch- like that would make me look and say, you you know what? Maybe we need to rethink this. I mean, if our child has the ability to think in this way, mm-hmm. yeah. she's thinking about togetherness amongst everybody. We may not agree because of the color. They may have just harmed themselves because <laughs> with that young lady having that kind of tenacity yeah. and determination and the reason for her starting a GoFundMe page, yeah. you know, she success becomes very successful and does well. Mm-hmm. Our parents may need her one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, sure. you know, that, so yes. For yeah. her to start a GoFundMe yeah, page, like, a positive like, thing like kudos that. Kudos yes. to you, homegirl. Yes, yes, whatever yes. your name is. <laughs> kudos to you. And can I borrow Go a couple ahead, thousand? Yes. A couple thousand. <laughs> a couple thousand. Yeah, a couple thousand. I couldn't All raise right. nothing. Well, <laughs> our, our second guest is online, Mr. Gleb Sapersky. I hope I said that right. That's right. That's right. Nice yeah. to hear you. That's right. <laughs> Wonderful. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. That's is good. this Will speaking? Yes, this is Will, Quincy, and Rita. We're going to all talk to you tonight. How are you doing, Glip? Hey, how are you, Quincy and Rita? Great to hear you. Yes, yes. So I was explaining to people who you are, but I think you can do a little bit better because I was looking at you on social media on your website. What is that? I hear. Oh, okay. <laughs> a little technical difficulty. I'm sorry. Um, but sure. just give everybody an overview of who you are and what you do. Sure. Happy to do so. So... I am a professor at Ohio State researching decision-making and emotional intelligence in politics and other life areas. Mm. I also run a nonprofit called Intentional Insights, which popularizes this research for a broad audience. I'm working, I appear frequently on radio stations. I write in venues like Time and Psychology Today and so on. And I'm writing a book called From From Truth to Post-Lies, mm-hmm. The Psychology of Political Persuasion. Wow. Yeah. So you, um, you're a professor at Ohio State University. That's right. Okay, yes, my sir. brother is a professor. I'm not sure if you're Dr. Terrell Strayhorn. He is. Um, oh. where, where does he, which department does he work He in? is in higher education, but he is the Center of Diversity and Inclusion. I can't remember what the, s- the name of the center is, and I should know that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> I but should he's not know listening. that. Yeah, I always <laughs> brag on him, and he's doing so much there. But, yeah, he's also a professor at Ohio State University. Excellent. I will keep it in mind if I run into him. Terrell Strayhorn. Yes, Terrell Strayhorn, yes. So I wanted to know, so why are people so willing to believe in falsehoods in the political sphere? Well, so that's a really interesting question, and it's a question that, I get asked often because of my topic of research, and it's a question that gets asked by people who don't have an intuitive belief in falsehood, by people like you, Will, and uh, others who have a care and concern for the truth, and that's something that I do as well. I have an intuitive care and concern for the truth. So I set out to research this topic, and it turns out that we are outliers, actually. So we are not typical. Most people don't have a natural, intuitive concern for the truth. People who tend to have a concern for this truth, for the truth, go into more intellectual professions such as radio broadcasting or professor mm-hmm. or journalists. And so you see a lot of journalists right now up in arms over Kellyanne Conway's comments about alternative facts right, and right. being really concerned about it. And, you know, 
many of your listeners, I'm sure, are because they tend to be intellectual people, well-educated people who want to know the stuff and who want to understand. They are also concerned with the truth. But you'll probably notice that Joe on the street isn't really up in arms about alternative facts because he or, you know, Mary on the street, she doesn't have such an intuitive, visceral reaction Mm -hmm. to the truth being violated. They don't, we don't, they don't have such a strong emotional concern and care for the truth. So this is a major reason why people are willing to believe in falsehoods and why other people who have this sense of care and concern for the truth can't understand those folks. Mm. So it's kind of a basic divide where those people are really much more emotionally oriented and they are comfortable going with their guts and they don't take the time to reason and logic and come up with the answer that's most accurate, Mm -hmm. but they orient toward the answer that's most emotionally comfortable for them. They make the basic um, mistake of equating comfort for reality. Okay. My brother just texted me. He said the CHI building, the Center for Higher Education Enterprise. So that's what he's uh, Okay, a, there you go. Yes, that's his building. <laughs> I'm, glad that, I'm glad that he's listening. Yes. <laughs> hey, Glenn, this is uh, Quincy Carr. Um, quick question for you. Like, what do you think is the danger of people willing to believe in falsehoods in politics, uh, especially just based on whether it's a president that the majority of people like or a president or congressman or whoever uh, where the majority of people dislike? Like, what are those dangers? This is a huge danger, and this is a way that when I talk to people who don't have an intuitive concern for the truth, this is what I talk about. This is how I get them to care, which is part of my project. So I run a project, and I work on getting people to fight post-truth politics, getting people to care about the truth. And so the way you get them to care is to talk about the dangers of believing in lies and not caring about the truth. The dangers come from... It's very simple. You have a world, a political society, where everyone essentially competes based on lies. We have seen that the current administration really won to a large extent because they lied very successfully and their voters bought it. Now, we know that Trump was lost the popular vote by about 3 million votes, just Mm. under. Mm -hmm. And he keeps lying saying that he won the popular vote. Right. Now, as a result of that, over half of Trump's supporters, according to polls by Qualtrics and other professional pollsters, believe that he won the popular vote. That's mm. so sad. This is ridiculous, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And they, they believe it because they feel in their gut, they feel they're comfortable with his statements. Now, what happens when politicians win based on lies? Other politicians will follow suit. They see that Trump is successful. They will take up these strategies and will have a deterioration of our politics into a quagmire of lies. Mm -hmm. Now, that might not, that sounds really sad and bad to you and me, but that doesn't sound so, may not sound so bad to Joe on the street or Mary on the street who don't have an intuitive concern for lies and politics. The reason that, that I tell them that that does convince them is that lies in politics event inevitably leads to corruption and authoritarianism. Yes, it does. Exactly. Well, exactly. So yeah. these are the two things that people are concerned about. According to a Chapman University study, corruption is one of the top fears among the American population. So people are really afraid of corrupt officials. Now, it's quite clear that if officials 
win based on lies. They don't have to care about what voters think, and they all can just stuff their pockets. <laughs> right. Now, now to, 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 to add to that, I mean, I, I don't think it's a secret that uh, a lot of uh, this country's operation has been based on <laughs> a greater percentage of corruption in mm -hmm. politics. So uh, what's going on is nothing new. Lies in politics, that's nothing new. Corruption, that's nothing new. The difference, I think, was that there was a figure who was able to say the same things that in the past other presidential candidates have not been able to say and get away with and even last. And I always tell people this. I don't know if y'all remember back in 2004 when uh, the Democrats were trying to r uh, run against uh, George Bush. Mm -hmm. And y'all remember uh, 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 Howard Dean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dean did what? Dean was doing a... a I guess he was at one of his rallies, and he shouted, Woo, yeah! <laughs> and he was Dean, ooh, get him out of there. He's too explosive. So he got put <laughs> out just because of that. Oh, my God. But Trump yeah. was able to uh, speak against the American people and or illegal aliens in a way that was just so disrespectful. Like, there's still a way to have class. And I think the I think the real danger is the fact that he got away with saying whatever he said that was not even acceptable for, you know, Bill Clinton to lie and say that he did not have sexual relations. And then it turns out th that he did. But Trump can be heard on a tape saying where he would grab a female. Uh, yeah. So so I don't think that there's a you know I don't think that this is new. I think corruption and lies have always been a part of politics. I think this is the first time where it really broke the mold of what's expected, mm. yeah. and so that's the difference yeah. for me. I, mm. yeah. I think I totally hear you, Quincy. I think um, what the difference is from a systemic perspective. So you're right, Trump is unique. From a systemic perspective, what's going on is Trump won. He already won over the media essentially. Exactly. Previously, you know, whether it was Bill Clinton or, you know, anybody else, if the media called them out on lies, they eventually backed down. Right. And they said, okay, you know, I'm not going to tell that lie anymore. <laughs> and they might <laughs> tell plenty of other lies. Right. But once the media found out and called them out, they backed down. Trump doesn't. Right. He doubles down on his lies, yes, and so do members of his administration. And they keep going forward, and they criticize the media as dishonest and deceptive when the media calls them out exactly. on their deceptions and lies. Exactly. Yes, and that's what I have a hard time understanding because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I still believe in the truth that somebody can blatantly lie, and you know it's a lie, but you still say that it's not a lie, <laughs> and mm -hmm. you support it. That's I just can't wrap my brain around that, and so I, I don't know what's going to happen. But what do you think the future will be like if nothing changes um, in addressing the problems of the lies in politics? What is the future of politics? It's hopefully this oh. isn't, you know, this isn't setting a precedence for it. But what do you think the future is if nothing changes? Yeah. If nothing happens, if nothing changes, then that's not something I intend to. I, I'll, I'm trying my best to change that from my work at Intentional Insights to promote rational thinking in politics and fighting post-truth politics. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that. But if nothing changes, then the future is a future of politics based on lies where politicians win 
based on who tells mm. the most convincing lies. Right. It's a future of corruption where politicians, because they don't have to care about the truth and representing the voters' interests, they get to stuff their pockets. And when the media calls them out for corruption, the media is the traditional checker. You know, you guys, the Will Strayhorn Show and other media are the checkers mm. who can go and say, no, that's uh, inappropriate, that's wrong, you're co being corrupt, you're stealing money. If they can just say the media is lying about them stealing money, you know, the voters don't know who to trust, and the politicians will be able to steal money. Right. That's corruption. Then authoritarianism. Right now, Trump is claiming that he won uh, due to that he actually won the popular vote. He's putting in an attorney general who tried to suppress African American votes mm -hmm. and who claims widespread illegal voter fraud, which is a lie. Now, what's the likelihood that if Trump loses in 2020, he'll actually leave power versus he will say, what about all those millions of illegal immigrant voters who voted, get his attorney general to make up some fake evidence about this? We know he doesn't have much respect for American democratic institutions. Right. When he looked like he was losing in 2016, he was already calling the elections rigged. He was. Now that he has the power of the presidency yes, behind him, and he can make up fake information through the government institutions, what's the likelihood that he will do so if he actually loses? Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Hmm. So, so how can people themselves take steps to evaluate you know, reality accurately in the political sphere? So this is a lot of the stuff that I write about. I don't see many folks writing about helping people make accurate evaluations of reality and get away from these lies. Mm -hmm. So reading some of the content that I write is definitely helpful. Looking at fact checkers mm -hmm. is very helpful. Now, even before that, I think a question that's even more fundamental is, well, let, I'll, I'll say that I think the vast majority of the listeners to your show do care about the truth. How do they convince other people to care about the truth? I think it's more fundamental. How do they have healthy conversations with their family members who don't care about the truth, or you know, the, how do they have healthy conversations online and social media where they don't care, to folks who don't care about the truth. What I found in my research is quite helpful. It's figure out what those people value. Mm -hmm. So when I talked about corruption and authoritarianism, I focus on these things because that's what tends to resonate with people. Mm -hmm. And talking to people, oh, your family members, or, you know, I went on uh, a conservative libertarian talk show a couple of days ago, and I talked to the host about, who is a Republican activist, about the dangers of corruption and authoritarianism resulting from post-truth politics methodology. And he agreed with me. He said, yes, that, that's a valid concern. We need to do something about it. We can't let politicians just lie and get away with it, double down on their lies. So people can change their minds to be more oriented toward the truth and to care about the truth. Mm -hmm. This is the most fundamental thing, for people to care about the importance of truth in politics and talk about the importance of truth in politics. This is a bipartisan issue. It cuts across party lines. And we need to ally to get together an alliance of people of all political stripes to push for truth in politics, to preserve our democracy against corruption and authoritarianism. Wow. Okay. Getting people to care about the truth—that's yeah. That, that's a that's a 
it's pretty good. Right. To get them to care about yeah, this, right. which which leads me to ask, uh, how how can people encourage others to to uh, evaluate reality accurately in the political sphere? Yes. So I think the most fundamental thing is to get figure out what those people actually care about. I'll give you an example. I was talking to Scott Sloan, who is a prominent conservative radio show host on 700 WLW, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, so. He had Donald Trump on his show be shortly before I went, so he, he's pretty prominent. He's well-known. Now, we talked about Muslims, and you can imagine how um, conservatives feel about Muslims. This was after the Ohio State terrorist attack right. by a Sunni Muslim. Right. Yeah. And so I talked to him. I figured out before I went on the show what he would be concerned about. He would be concerned about safety and security. And he had feelings of fear and anger toward Muslims. And so I went, I, I oriented toward what he cares about, his values, safety and security, and his emotions, fear and anger. I, going on the show, I validated his emotions. I said, it's perfectly natural to feel fear and anger, mm -hmm. as you do, as your listeners do. It's a very natural feeling. It's an intuitive human reaction to have that stereotyping based on one person stereotyping the whole group. But is feeling fear and anger and acting out on it going to get you what you want? is actually going to get us safety and security. Well, we have about 1.8 million Muslims in the United States. About six of them were implicated in terrorist acts in uh, 2015. Mm -hmm. So your chance of seeing a Muslim who's a terrorist is you know, about as large as picking out a terrorist from several football stadiums. <laughs> right. Not very likely. Right. You're going to waste your resources of safety and security, your policing resources, by focusing on Muslims instead of focusing on the real terrorists. That's kind of one. The other thing is that by persecuting Muslims, which unfortunately it looks like our president is about to do with some of his executive orders, right. will result in Muslims not liking the United States, and more of them, the small number of Muslims who do become terrorists, will be vastly increased. We already see that Donald Trump's rhetoric is used in the recruitment tapes his anti-Muslim rhetoric is used in recruitment tapes by ISIS and other terrorist groups. Yeah. This will be greatly increased in the future, and that will increase the number of terrorists. So the more negative, harsh policies we have toward Muslims, the more terrorists there will be, mm -hmm. and also Muslim communities will be less likely to help us root them out. Oh, come on, man. You know Obama's responsible for <laughs> ISIS. <laughs> you know yeah. he's the reason why ISIS was oh, formed. You know, come on. That has nothing to do with Trump. Come you on. know it was You're Obama. You're fact-checking, Glee. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah. Um, but, yes. you know, by the end of that conversation, Scott was willing to say that, yes, even though we don't, even though he doesn't feel like, you know, being nice to Muslims, it makes rational, logical sense to not be nasty toward Muslims and not persecute them. Exactly. So kind of exactly. Having this difference between what feels comfortable and what is actually true is fundamental to, conv to convey to people. So figuring out their emotions, figuring out their values, it's uncomfortable. You have to go outside of your comfort zone to mm -hmm. talk to people where they are. <laughs> Not where you want them to be. Exactly. And nice. It's not uh, an easy thing. But right. You and a lot need of people do don't want to step outside of their comfort zone. Exactly. And they don't want to. A lot of people don't want to fact check. Uh, it amazes me how many people, and I was one of those people. If it was on the news, it was factual. It was yes. Right. If it was on social media, it was the facts. Yeah. I did not know how the media 
can lie and fake and news. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there's a lot of work to be done. So what I have a question. Um, what if anything uh, is International Insights doing to address the problem of lies in politics? Sure. So great question. So International Insights is running a project called the Rational Politics Project, which is oriented toward helping convince people, uh, get them emotionally engaged with caring about the truth. We have a bunch of fact-checkers around, so mm -hmm. you talked about fact-checkers. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the statistics show that uh, fact-checkers are not very well liked by people who uh, actually need to use fact-checkers. <laughs> Let's say it that way. Okay. Um, actually, uh, according to Gallup polls, trust among Republicans in mainstream media and fact-checkers dropped by more than half from 2015 to 2016 due to the Trump effect. So, and it's right now in the low teens. This is preposterous, but it's true. They, I mean, people don't use fact checkers who should be using them. So we have the fact checkers. We don't need more fact checkers. Mm -hmm. We need to get people to care about the truth. We need to convince them that truth is important. So what we do is we do a couple of things. We go on radio shows like radio show and talk mm -hmm. to people who do share our values, concern for truth, concern for reason, concern for logic, and encourage them to talk to their family members, talk on social media, not about partisan battles, not about winning the next, you know, specific partisan battle, but about fixing the system, mm -hmm. yes. about orienting toward convincing people that, you know, going toward post-truth politics will just lead down to corruption and authoritarianism and allying even with Republicans, with anyone, around for go going toward truth in politics as being the most important thing to preserve the future of our democracy. Now, we also go to conservatives, conservative radio stations, people who don't have that intuitive appreciation for truth in politics, and have conversations like the one I described with Scott Sloan, right. and help people update, help people change their minds. So radio interviews are part of what we do. We produce articles about this topic and publish them in venues like Time, Psychology Today, Huffington Post, Salon, uh, and so on, okay, op-eds and daily newspapers. We create memes. We create apps. We create short videos of various sorts. We also uh, create various incentives for politicians to be more truth-oriented. So right now we're working, for example, on a pro-truth pledge for political candidates. So if you imagine, you know, one candidate on one side signs a pledge to abide by what fact checkers say and try to orient toward the truth and update her or his beliefs if they don't match reality as determined by fact checkers and so on, a number of other things which you okay. can go into. Quite a bit. And the yeah. candidate on the other side doesn't. Mm -hmm. That tells you something about the candidates and that helps people to, who care about the truth, mm -hmm. make a decision about which candidate to support. And this is the organization that you and your wife started, correct? Yes, we started about three years ago to promote wise decision-making and emotional intelligence in politics, in business, and in other life areas. We focused much more on politics with um, the nomination and election of the current president because we feel this is the area in most need right now in the United States. Okay. So how can people get more information and keep up with what you're doing there at Intentional Insights? So they can go and check out intentionalinsights.org. So that's, again, two words, intentional, like intent, and insights.org. 
They can email info at intentionalinsights.org to learn more. They can also follow our Facebook page at intentionalinsights.org and Twitter. Mm -hmm. They can also get in touch with me. Uh, my website is glebsapursky.com. I'm sure it will be on the Will Strayhorn yes, Show website. And you can just Google my name, Gleb Sapursky, and email me, gleb at intentionalinsights.org. I'd be happy to talk to anyone who is interested in collaborating in this project of promoting truth in politics and preventing our slide down into lies, corruption, and authoritarianism. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Gleb, thank you so much for coming on yeah, to the show and sharing you. that insight. Yeah. Yes. A lot of things thank you said you so we, we, we didn't even know. So we appreciate Learned you enlightening thank us. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being on the show. You have a good day. You too. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. Good information. I didn't know about a lot that he said. I didn't know a lot about that, but I'm. I'm happy to know that there's somebody out there that's working, yeah. you know, in, in that area. Yeah. I, but to how do you teach people to want to know the truth? That he has a very challenging I think experience. But if you're people stuck in your beliefs, it's mm. hard to unthink your thinking. I mean, it's possible, and especially when it comes to politics, where people are just they don't. It could be right in front of you, like when Donald Trump said, "I could stand in the middle of." Yeah. Uh -huh. I could stand in the middle of New York City and shoot someone and still get elected mm -hmm. and people still supported him. Mm -hmm. So thinking can be changed, but it he, he has his work cut out for him, but yeah. I'm positive. Yeah. I'm positive. <laughs> that it, sounded, it can that sounded pretty positive, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, the, the man does have his work cut yeah. out for him, uh -huh. but, uh, you know, and all we could do, we meaning we the people, um, can can, mm. can <laughs> well minus the fist. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. talking about everybody. Yeah, you know, yeah. like all we can do is simply do what it is that that individually and and around our surrounding communities makes us great. Uh -huh. um, you know, like people think I'm piggybacking off of his. You know, make America great again. But I've always said. My goal is to be great and do great things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's just my mantra. That's just what I believe in life when I wake up every day. I just want to be a better person than I was the day before. Yes. So, you know, this one person, um, you know, can talk what they talk, can do what they do, can have the supporters. But at the end of the day, and I know it sounds so crazy for me to even think this, but if it's my time to go, then it's my time to go. That's, so that's true, though. That's so I'm not going to fight something that I have no control. So my thing is uh, stop worrying about what you can't control and control what you worry about. True. And the thing that you worry about is how you individually, that adds up multiple individuals, can individually talk about how they can be better themselves because it starts with us. Then you spread that and it becomes influential to other people around you. That's how we change. Mm -hmm. It's not sitting and complaining and whining and trying to find out why is this happening to me. Right. You know, like that doesn't no do anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, God bless the people that are out there protesting. But at the end of the day, outside of whether you destroy personal property or you just have the media cover all these people protesting, what is that going to do in terms of his mindset? Mm -hmm. His mindset won't be changed until tragedy strikes. Not saying anything. And that's why I say experience. Right. It's got to, you know, like tragedy is usually what changes. Yeah, and then he's changes. Gonna get a, and reality checks because. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be as easy as you're fired. <laughs> I think he right. thinks he's going in right. to a dictatorship. And someone said position. campaigning 
and governing are two totally different things. Yeah. Yeah. It's two totally different things. But Qu- um, Quincy, I wanted to ask, can you repeat that thing that you said earlier? About She's a very tweet girl. Uh, no, you said <laughs> um, stop stop worrying about what you can't control and control, control what you're worrying about. Okay, I'm steal that. I mean, I'm gonna use that. Yeah, she's gonna steal it. <laughs> she's gonna steal it. That's, but that yeah. has a lot of uh, yeah. value. Makes it makes yeah. sense I'm because we can't worry over things that we can't change. That's right. another t-shirt. That's like a serenity prayer. Well, that's the idea that I had. Okay. Um, I mean, I know somebody's probably gonna like use the quote, but that's uh, copyrighted. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 like my perfect human t-shirt that, that I sell. You still haven't gotten a picture. You're oh, right. I do have a but, picture, uh, sir. You you didn't well, tag me. Tag <laughs> you in the picture. Um, but the shirt simply states, uh, "I strive oh, to be man. perfect." but end up being human, human. to let people know right. we all make mistakes. Yeah. The thing that keeps us all consistent is that we all bleed red. Yeah, So true. I don't even like to hear people say I'm colorblind. Like I tell them, especially if I do a predominantly white show, I tell them, I said, I don't like to hear you guys say, oh, I'm, oh, I'm colorblind, thinking that you you are now yeah. enticing me yeah, to believe that everything is yeah. No, 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 no. God gave us eyes to see for a reason. You better see that I am That's a black right. man. Don't see <laughs> that I'm a black man for a reason for you to discriminate against something that's due to me. So I don't, you know, get into all that, but I, like, I just try to spread the word and the positivity that we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. We all sin. We just sin differently. Different, yeah. We all mm-hmm. make mistakes. We just make different mistakes. So instead of you know, jumping on Facebook and jumping on the post, somebody that you have no idea about, but everybody is talking about it. You say, oh, I just think that he's stupid. Mm. You don't even know that person. So that's my movement that I'm trying to kind of get. And then, like, I added that this year, like, because people were flipping out about the election in November. I said, stop worrying about what you can't control. Control what you worry about. There's other and things that you could be easier. doing. Yes. You could things be worrying are about be a lot. Gonna be. Yeah. So, you know. Hopefully somebody will get that message and I got stop it. I got losing it. your <laughs> mind. Like I t- <laughs> well, I think <laughs> just just to be devil's advocate on that, mm-hmm. I think in most cases what you're saying in that philosophy is true. Mm-hmm. However, I think with this situation, I think people do have a lot to be concerned about because it's, he's already trying to undo. I didn't say that you couldn't be concerned. Well, I, I, I didn't want to say worry. Right, worry and concern is two different. But things. people with health c- that w- that was right. benefiting with the healthcare is right, right. It's me for one. I have a transplant. I'm dependent on that medication. That is a right. big one. Right, it's, it's yeah. huge. Yeah, it's, it's real yeah, for it's people that have health issues. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. But to like w- when I say worry, like I joke on stage because mm-hmm. I call I call uh, senior citizens people. I call them season <laughs> season. Yeah. And so I say, seasoned folk, look, stop not taking your medicines, uh-huh, okay? Uh-huh. Because this thing happened. Don't forget to take your medicine uh-huh, now right. because you don't waste it all the time. Oh, Lord, uh-huh. what are we going to do? <laughs> well, you're you going to take them seven pills yeah. at 3 o'clock like you're supposed to. Right. Like, like, don't forget who you are yeah. because <laughs> I put this tweet out yesterday. I said, unless you are Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have the ability to wake up every day and see yourself, yeah. meaning why wouldn't you invest time? Why wouldn't you take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. Unless you're Stevie Wonder, you have the ability to at least see yourself every single day. Yeah. Invest in yourself, believe in yourself, and go out and do something that's great and do it so other people can be influenced by it. it. Yes. That's my whole thing about the whole worry. What were you going to say? You had some topics. What, what else did well, you I was going to ask that that 
one thing I wanted to ask about, and you mentioned uh, earlier in the show that regardless of what's going on in the political realm, mm -hmm. that you believe that you can still have a part of the American dream. Absolutely. And that's different for different people and what you just said. And I did have a topic. I wanted to talk about or ask you, especially you two, because you're perfect examples of this. Um, Obama started it, um, the grassroots movement and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even though the new president is saying that he wants to bring jobs back to into the country, what is your opinion about the need and the necessity for entrepreneurship? I mean, I could, I could talk all day about that. And <laughs> I'm asking because I, I, when I was thinking about it, when I knew I was coming here, I'm like, these are two young men. Uh, and you oh, both. thank you. Thank uh, you. God bless you. I'm saying young because yeah. compared to me. But, you know, I don't <laughs> Girl, I'm 40. Yes. I'm a young 40-year-old. I remember 40 when I was 40. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, and I was saying, I'm going to be sitting here with two young men who are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. yeah. And some of the things that I, I know people have concerns about with starting their own business or becoming an entrepreneur are the lack of finances, yeah. mm -hmm. the lack of resources, yeah. fear of failure, mm -hmm. um, and for lack of better words, the lack of stick to itness. Mm -hmm. Because I just met you, but I can almost, I think I will be correct in saying you did not become a comedian overnight no. and about to have this red carpet thing <laughs> that's going on right. tomorrow overnight. Will, I know part of your story. Mm -hmm. So well, the need for entrepreneurship and how would you encourage that um, and encourage people to do that because with the we don't know what the economy is going to be. One of the things, I mean, I speak that I'm concerned slash, <laughs> slash not worried. <laughs> but one of the areas where I'm not concerned about is as far as my, my business mm -hmm. because as an entrepreneur, I create my opportunities. And yes. I went to school, you know, just what I, the skills that I use, no one can take those away from me. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people who are really, really concerned are those people who are, are given jobs by these corporations and th there's uncertainty about what they're going to do. Right. If and they're if they lose fold, their job, exactly. they've lost their livelihood. You've done that. Right. But what would you, how would you encourage someone who has that desire? And I can honestly say, um, not just because you're my friend and I've been knowing mm -hmm. you, and oh, I don't so y'all friends. Well, <laughs> I've been knowing her for a while. Oh, yeah, she's a client of mine, too. I can yeah. see how, <laughs> how you have... Um, reinvented? Reinvented. Reinvent, yeah. And I, I talk about that a lot because when I first met you, you were... Just behind the chair. You were behind the chair. Yeah. I've seen you go from that to makeup artist. I remember even saying to you one day when you said you want to start makeup classes, uh -huh. and I said to him, Quincy, I said, what would make somebody come to your class mm -hmm. as opposed to going online watching a YouTube video, yeah. learning how to apply makeup and right. save that money. I don't know if you remember me asking you that question. Mm -mm. I did, but you did it anyway, yeah, and I it's did. been successful. So yeah. how would you encourage or motivate someone that has a desire but because of the lack of finances, lack of um, resources? I know you, you have to have a gift, mm -hmm. or you have to have a talent. Everything I've done, I've never had any type of loan or anything. Everything's been for my own resources, um, sacrifice, and my family. My family's a big supporter of my dream. Okay. Um, so I've never had to go to any, my, my salon, anything like that. I've never had to go to school. My parents actually paid for me to go to school. Um, so when somebody I got my supports your dream. Somebody who supports my dream. And then my own efforts. If you want it and bad you enough, you'll figure out a way to make it work. Okay. Yeah. What about and, your point? And write this down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got my pen in hand. Passion drives purpose. Okay. Yes. If if you don't have the passion or if your passion is how much money you're going to make at doing something, then you don't have a purpose in it. You have to I be like that. Yeah. You, 
you have to understand. It's like I was telling people back when, like, I, I, I formed my corporation in 2008. Folks was like, well, why would you do a corporation? There's a lot of paperwork. It's like I said, because I know where I want to be with my business. It's Quincy Car Inc. Okay, under that umbrella, it's my cuts and styles by Quincy Carr, yep. my entertainment, acting, and, and, and comedy. So I was at a nine to five at that time doing the crash where people were losing jobs this was from 07 to 2011. 711 mm-hmm. is what I say, right? And I'm watching people every day. You know what my motivation was? You know what my passion was? My passion was I was working this nine to five that I couldn't stand. I was still cutting hair in between on my lunch breaks. Then I would go. Uh, uh, after I went back to work and finished my work day, and I would go back to the shop to finish up clients. And if I had a comedy show after that, I would go do a comedy show. So sometimes I was doing all three jobs, but my goal Mm -hmm. was to build up Mm -hmm. because I knew the government gives you what's called a hobby law, five years, three to five years. If you're not showing on your tax returns that this is some type of sustainable income, if you're just showing losses, then eventually they're going to say, yo, this is a hobby. Mm -hmm. This is not a business. So I gave myself five years from 2008 to 2013, working at this nine to five, paying me decent money is what I went to college for, mm-hmm. watching people uh, clock in with, 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 with their badges, and by the end of the day, they've been told that they don't have a job mm-hmm. anymore. That was my drive. That was my passion. Was I passion. said, okay, I'm building up this business. I got five years to do it. If it just so happens that I'm one of those people that they walk out, because it's out of my control, then that had just pushed me forward. But on 2000, in 2013, that was my fifth year, and almost to the day that I, I got my license. As a matter of fact, two, two weeks before I got my business license, I made the decision that was my last day of work. Been self-employed ever since. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you have to have a passion. A passion drives your purpose. Mm-hmm. If you're just doing it, I tell people I stopped chasing money a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I make less money. My wife brings in, you know, the amount that she brings in. But wi- without that extra income that I had, we bring in less. We tithe more at church. We donate our time. We give away. I don't. Don't miss it. I don't miss it because that's not my drive. I'm not driving. Yeah, I want to be valued in my money. I, I mean, in my job, mm-hmm. um, and what I do. But that's not what drives it. Oh, I got to make all this money, or or it ain't right. Because then you start missing something called quality, mm-hmm. which is yes. my brand. And there's a quote in Steve Harvey's book that which one? Um, which book? Think like a success. Okay. And it says, that's "Do my book. what your." God didn't create you to do what you get paid for, but what you're made for. There you go. Like and God that. did not make, like, he did not make me to work all those years until I couldn't walk out of the mm-hmm. post office. I have another purpose. Right. And I've been telling you that for a while. You've been telling me that for yeah, a while. For and a while. Yeah. so I'm, I'm glad. And that passion is passion now yeah. driving your purpose. my purpose. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? We're six minutes from the show being over. Are, are you still nervous? No, ner- I was you were nervous. Was I nervous? She was <laughs> nervous to death. Really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. tell. Yes, I was yeah. very nervous. Yeah, but wow. we, we're going to take a quick break because we're going to come back with my favorite part of the show, Intimate Expressions, where we get to know a little bit about you guys. So we're going to take a quick okay. break. You're nervous? You're now nervous I'm about nervous. that? Now yes. you're nervous. Not right? nervous now. Yeah, we'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It. We're straight on your screen. We'll be right back. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. (sighs) We want to hire you. You're, You're serious? Absolutely. 
Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and if you think I'm just going to keep ticking away, you're wrong. I can quit whenever I want, but I like my job. Just treat me better. Maybe we can do some exercise on occasion? After all, we're in this together. Don't let your heart quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get yours to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. This is Ban Bossy. Take one. Pushy. Stubborn. Stubborn. Pushy. Pushy. Stubborn. Stubborn. Bossy. 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 When I was growing up, I was called bossy. I think the word bossy is just a squasher. Being labeled something matters. By middle school, girls are less interested in leadership than boys. And that's because they worry about being called bossy. We need to tell them it's okay to be ambitious. We need to help them lean in. Words matter. Let's just ban the word bossy. And encourage girls to lead. To be strong and be ambitious. Listen to your own voice. There are no limits. There to be you. You can change the world. Let's ban bossy. Be brave. Be you. Ban bossy. Join us to ban bossy. I'm not bossy. I'm the boss. Encourage girls to lead. Take the pledge at banbossy.com. What's going on, everybody? This is Neo for Life Beat, the music industry fights AIDS. When you're drunk or high, all you want to think about is what feels good. But think about this. Two Americans under the age of 21 are infected with HIV every hour of every day. Don't become another statistic. Use protection. To learn more about HIV and AIDS, log on to www.lifebeat.org. Respect yourself. Protect yourself. You are now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Seduction music. <laughs> Welcome back to Let's Face It. Yeah, that's my, my soothing music. Seduction music, Seduction Will. Seduction music, yeah. <laughs> so we're back with my two guests. You guys have been great, Thank too. You. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Thank you for coming back on. Um, this is Intimate Expressions. This is just when I get a chance to ask you some questions, pick your brains and see mm. see where you're thinking at. I want to ask you this question. We probably only have time for two. Um, if you could go on a road trip with any person, dead or alive, who would you choose, why, and then what would you guys talk about? Quincy, mm. start with <laughs> you. So many people. Uh, honestly, I would go on a trip with my entertainment idol, Michael Jackson. Okay. Because... Um, I know that man had mad knowledge mm -hmm. based on all of his experiences, everything that he had gone through, things that he had been accused of, and and what he eventually wanted to be mm -hmm. to everybody, mm -hmm. just to see what was his 
breaking point if there was ever a breaking point that made him just stop and think, you know, is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like I have that in my heart just to give back Mm -hmm. and just to look to reach back because I believe everybody deserves a chance. If I could be a politician, I probably would, but eventually my jokes would get me in trouble. But yeah, yeah, Michael Jackson would be that one. Okay. What about you, Rita? Okay. um, I had a a person, but I, I would go on a road trip with my father why because i lost him when i was a teenager and before i mean the short time that i had with him he imparted so much knowledge like i said that what i just told you he said to me yeah um, he imparted a lot of knowledge and i think there's a lot that we could talk about on that road trip a lot of knowledge. he was born in 1917 Mm -hmm. um but was very very educated in in etiquette he taught me how to plait hair he taught me how to cook yes he taught me that ladies stoop and not bend he taught me the proper way for a woman to get into the car you set your bottom in first and swing your legs yeah. not climb oh, into the car oh, wait a minute that's oh, okay i was gonna say that's an exception for that but <laughs> <laughs> yes it would be my father um i think we have a lot to talk about i could learn a you lot gave me from a complex him. now <laughs> no what well, i didn't know t- no, wasn't man. intended <laughs> Let's say if your health allows uh-huh. you to get in. Okay, <laughs> all right, okay. Um, for me, of course, you know who it is. Who? Oprah. I was gonna say Aretha Franklin. Well, <laughs> so you want me in a Cadillac? Had to be a Cadillac. <laughs> no, 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 no. It would be, o- it would be Oprah. Did, okay, I didn't you know, know you were that big of an Oprah. Oh my God, I'm the world's Still? biggest. Still, the world's biggest. <laughs> Oprah, she, okay. she is just. Between, you know, I've been going to this season. I, I watch a lot of, when I'm at home, I watch a lot of YouTube videos about Oprah. And she just, her, just the knowledge that she has, I would just love to sit for, for not too long. Maybe like. A road trip. Yeah, a road trip. Maybe to Maybe. Chesapeake. Let me no, no. <laughs> it just seemed like it would be, okay. no. be too much. It seemed like it would be too much yelling, though. No. Hello. <laughs> no, I just. And Oprah you just can do it. And you can do it. And I need that. Everybody can do it. <laughs> <laughs> she just causes me to think so much. I, j- I would just okay. love to go. And then she has, she's like me. She has this funny side that not people, a lot of people see. Yeah. But people who side? know her, no. I'll get you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my, my second okay. and last question, what would be a perfect, perfect day for you? Perfect day for me is being able to successfully uh, do what I wake up to do. Mm-hmm. Um even though I know I won't always complete it because I'm always adding new stuff before I go to bed at night, but to still be able to uh, see my daughter and my wife and know that they didn't miss me that much where it was painful because I know I work a lot on what I'm trying to build. Uh Uh, So my perfect day would be able to accomplish, to put in the work to do what I'm trying to do and then be able to see my family and know that it didn't hurt them that I was away mm-hmm. doing that. Like, that's, that's a perfect sweet. day for me. Okay. Yeah. That's sweet. Because then I don't have to hear the whining and the crying. Okay, and yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're listening, honey. Dear. She'll get you. <laughs> okay, a perfect you? day for me would be to um, wake up healthy. I like to take have some quiet time. Every day I try to take quiet time just to, like, reflect on my life and to be able to go out and make a difference in somebody's life as as weird as that might sound but you know that's what i i some days i set out intentionally to bless somebody or to Uh encourage somebody that makes me that makes me feel good that's a good day to know that i've impacted someone and 
I haven't hurt, harmed anyone. That's good. That's fulfilling. Quincy, you have something going on tomorrow night. Yeah, tell man. us about that. Oh, this is. Um, I was told that I was on a a what's the word a tentative guest list. In yeah, case somebody can't find, I am too. In, ca- in case somebody's gate date doesn't come through, oh, unless I'm, and I can for be the first for the, the latecomers. Look here, uh, uh-huh. I think we, we should trump them because of the show, right? Exactly. <laughs> this to me is uh, it's a historic moment mm-hmm. um, for comedy in the seven five seven. In that, um, about a year ago, I had this vision of uh, I was getting ready to turn forty, which was in August, mm-hmm. and I said I want to do something leading up to that. And so I took a trip out to L.A. because I, I had just uh, released a TV show that was airing throughout Virginia. And I said, look, I'm going to try to get some eyes and ears on this. And then I said, you know what? I need to do something different that's never been done. And, and I said, I want to shoot a comedy special. Usually you see comedy specials, HBO, Showtime, mm-hmm. Comedy Central. And I said, uh, nobody, I've, I've been in the game nearly 18 years coming up in March. So at that time, nearly 17 years. And I was like, I need... I want to do something that I know would be big. And uh, so I produced it, um, had it paid for, and we shot it successfully, two shows, and we put it together, and uh, eventually it it got uh, uh, signed to a distribution deal, so nationwide. And uh, tomorrow night we're showing the actual uh, 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 stand-up comedy special, the finished product that – the world will eventually be able to see on different uh, platforms, uh-huh. which I'll announce at the show, uh-huh. uh, so people will know who I signed with. Yeah. And um, that's amazing. Th- How I does mean, that feel? It feels great because uh, of all the events that I've been putting together mm-hmm. with comedy since 2016, this is the second one that was or that is completely sold out. Although tickets really? weren't weren't purchased for mm-hmm. this, I said I want it free. Mm-hmm. So so people come to see it. But in Virginia, in this area, which you probably know, people don't support even free. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to pull teeth to get oh yeah. people to come out. I know. This is a Thursday night. Uh, it's going to be the third night of the new edition uh, series. <laughs> uh, it's TGIT. Yeah. So it's scandal and all uh-huh. that. But, but we are to capacity in reservations, and we reached that a week ago. That's wonderful. So That's this good. is the first time I've been able to coast. Uh-huh. Leading up to a big event, even though I'm not performing, uh-huh. but just to see my product out there, and then I'm just a little into. I'm, I'm nervous, knowing how people are going to be watching uh, a screen versus watching a live yeah. performance yeah. for an hour. That's what I'm a little okay. bit, you know, tense about. But uh, it's a blessing, and we have yes a huge waiting list of yeah. people hoping, like y'all were saying, uh-huh. hoping somebody don't show up uh-huh. so they can get get that seat. But just to know that that yeah, many people were interested. I was, I felt, I felt very loved to know that people were interested. They just RSVP and yeah. said, "I got to see this product." So, it's a red carpet event. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You should be very proud of yourself. Yeah. I'm proud because proud. of the brand of quality comedy. It's like I tell people, uh, I created my own lane because I know that you can be a regular comic, which is dirty and unfiltered, or you can be a church-like comic, which does squeaky clean or uh, clean church comedy mm-hmm. with church subjects. And I said, there is not Somewhere anyone doing regular clean comedy in an environment where dirty comedy is forced. And mm-hmm. I said, I want to put a, a show together like that, which I created in 2010, put it in the funny bone. First ever all clean adult comedy show where no cursing, no profanity, no vulgarity. And it's just the same stuff that you would normally hear. Like I said, it could be sex, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. We find creative ways to deliver that material. And that's what this comedy special is going to show the world that wow 
even though everybody curses, this guy is doing it at a yeah. time where people just expect yeah. profanity because it's much funnier. Yeah. And it doesn't make it no. less funnier without the profanity. Right, and it that's what I've been setting out to prove, so that's why it's called quality comedy. Well, it's quality! Congratulations. Will and man. I will be there tomorrow. Hopefully. Look, get, look, I'll be honest. I don't <laughs> control any. I, I don't control any of that. Yeah. If my assistant slash event coordinator mm. says, uh, "Hey, um, you can take a number f- uh, to be on the waiting I list," I didn't even like. I, s- I told you I didn't even know about it because yeah. I, I just met you recently. But I definitely would have would have yeah. supported you. And now well, that I have I know, another one, uh, I will support you in the future. March March eighth. Already got a date for the next Funny Bone show that I'll, I'll, I'll be doing. So it's March eighth. It's, okay. it's a Wednesday awesome. night. Your hump days just got funnier with the quality <laughs> comedy series. I like that. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, thank you both. Share your um, how people can follow you. Uh, um, everything Quincy Carr or uh, Quality Comedy King. I think Quality Comedy King is is only on Instagram, uh, but you can find it on Twitter as well. It's just at Quincy Carr and at Quincy Carr er- everywhere else. YouTube. And that's C A R R. Yes, C A R R. Okay. Driven to succeed. Do, do you want to share yours? You only well, get those in, the those only way y'all can messages. follow me is if y'all see me on the street, <laughs> and then you can get arrested for <laughs> stalking. <laughs> you're on social media. We gotta create you, create you a page. Yeah, because you're gonna do some big things. You, I you, you feel do in missionary my work. You go you don't overseas. Have a page yet? I don't have. And she does missionary work. She goes overseas. She's in Bible college. She's doing. You're, you're on the verge of doing some speaking. big things. I've been a facilitator for the postal service she for many have, years. Yeah. I'm an instructor, but. I have no. It's page. coming. So next time you come back, you have all. Yeah, that. I'll tell you how to follow me. Yeah, but for exactly. now, don't follow me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On the street, well, stalking. Everybody, t- tune in next week. We have a good show. Hopefully, Nikki Curry will be back um, in the studio with us, uh, doing Facebook Live. Yeah, I thought she was gonna be here tonight. Yeah, she said she was. I'm gonna get her. I'm gonna get her. Nice. Um, but um, thank you guys for coming thank in. Thank you for thank having you. us. You're welcome. Really I hope really you enjoyed yourself. I really did. And thank of course, for the opportunity. Whenever you want to come on back. Come on back. We're just so we just walk you. on in. Just walk on in. Yeah, you know yeah, you so had to like get through the door, today. though. Yeah. Got you. I'm just <laughs> yeah. bust that window yeah. down. Okay. Let me Thank say you. something <laughs> on the radio, Will. <laughs> um, until next week, everybody, be blessed. Thank you for listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Please be sure to visit us on the web at letsfaceitradio.com and at Let's Face It Radio on Facebook for the latest in show information and exciting, innovating ways that you can be a part of the show. So tune in next week, same place, same time, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it.
Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multipurpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multipurpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. 